Let us pray. Gracious, heavenly, beautiful, sovereign, loving, just God, we come to you again wanting to to drink of your word father we have we have nothing again we have we have nothing but you and your grace so god in this time i we we ask that you would reveal yourself to us in such a way that from this moment on our lives will never be the same god we we seek your face. We are, we are marred by sin and, and selfishness, but God, we are here to seek your face and to hear from you, God. Could you speak to us in this time? Amen. Our passage today is from Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And as you guys are going ahead and and turning there, we'll go ahead and rehearse this story of where Matthew has brought us up until this point. And in chapter 1, you see that Jesus Christ, He is a son of Abraham. And as you go back to Genesis 12, you see all of these blessings that we're going to be given out to Abraham, they are now realized and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But Jesus, He is also the son of kings. This great lineage of kings is culminating in Jesus Christ. And so you see this common theme, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he's here to establish his kingdom, not some, some earthly temporal kingdom, but the kingdom of heaven is descending down upon earth in Jesus Christ. So you have the promises of Abraham. You have him born of the son of kings and bringing forth the kingdom of heaven. And he's gathering his, his people and they're following up, up, up the mountain on the north shores of the Sea of Galilee. And he begins to tell them and give them a new, a new law and this giving them this picture of discipleship. And what does the Christian life look like? Well, He's, he's telling them. And it's not at all what they thought. They've been accustomed to the, the curses and the blessings and the end of Deuteronomy. But what is Jesus Christ? What is He telling them? Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Go down a little bit further. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Those are the ones who are blessed. And then he goes on to a state. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to, to abolish the law. Actually, I'm here to fulfill the law. And as Adam preached on last week, we get a a clear picture. What does that look like when we look at murder or adultery or divorce? And he's fleshing out those ideas. But now we are told to 
Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And what does that look like? What does that look like as we seek to be perfect, as our heavenly Father is perfect? What does that look like in, in a, a public context? What does that look like? And our text is addressing that today. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 all the way down to 15. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for the many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Main little little uh, overview of where we're going to be going here in this sermon. The main idea, as you guys see it, is to seek the blessings of your heavenly Father rather than the approval of others. Seek the blessings of your heavenly Father rather than the approval of others. We're going to spend some time developing this idea, and then Jesus Christ Himself He gives some examples. So what does this look like in giving and in praying? So in giving, we, we're going to see that should be done in secret. And that we're going, to be, we're going to be praying in secret as well in verses 5 through 6. And then finally, we're going to have this praying with simplicity as well. Verses 7 all the way down to 15. So main idea, main idea is to seek the blessing of your heavenly Father rather than the approval of others. So we're going to see what that looks like in terms of giving, in terms of praying in secret, and then also praying with simplicity. Let's look at giving here. 
Let's go back to the text. Reread these verses 1 through 4 again. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Right off the bat, Jesus Christ, you see it in verse 1, beware of practicing your righteousness, your righteousness, before others. And why is it that immediately Jesus Christ, he's he's addressing this directly and pressing against it very strongly. Why is there a need to implore people to quit showing off what they don't have, quite frankly, their righteousness, and thereby causing guilt in people who actually realize, "I I don't have it. There is this internal desire among men, among women, to be recognized. I have a voice. I want to be heard. In our time of of social media, it's doing nothing but to inflame this self-indulgent pageantry, as though we, we really think the world cares what we ate for breakfast. Like, we really think the world must know what we ate for breakfast. And here in the verse, right in verse 1, you see that it's abundantly clear, my friends. You can, have the, you can have your reward. You can have the praise of men. Or you can have the approval of your Father. You can be lauded and cheered now, or in a short time, you can be told, well done, good and faithful servant. You can pridefully show off your goodness before men, or you can humbly acknowledge before God that all of your goodness, it only comes from Him and from Him alone. It's impossible to have both. You can have this one, or you can have this one. You can have the praise of men or the approval of your Heavenly Father. You can have it, but you can only have one. And and just think of it. Think of the folly of displaying your righteousness before other people. What what righteousness do you have? Matt was just talking about this in his Bible study. Romans 3, as it is written, none, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Or in Ephesians 2, we see that you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air. But, but that's them. That's them that are not Christians. But what about us who love to think that we're in Christ? What about these good deeds? Well, Go down a little bit further in Ephesians 2, 
you see that all of these works, even these good works that we do, they were created beforehand that we should walk in them. So all of this pageantry that we have, all of this great facade, it's in our lives, it's in mine, undoubtedly, it's in yours. It was all created beforehand. All of this goodness that we have was created beforehand that we should merely walk in it. So how ironic then that we'll use this spiritual life that God has given us to bring praise to ourselves. When you think of it in, in this manner, it seems just unnatural that you would abuse the goodness of God that has sustained you, that has sustained us, that we would abuse that to receive the praise of men. And in the Christian life, no matter, no matter where we are in our Christian walk, there's this temporal, or there's this continual draw towards this temporal praise of men and of women. We, towards the praise of our boss or of our supervisor, or towards the praise of other moms that we see. It's just merely on their lips for a moment, but then it vanishes. It, we're being drawn towards that and away from the enduring and eternal reward of our Heavenly Father. But how does Christ counteract that? Notice what He does. He's appealing to yourself to your self-interest. Did you see that? He's appealing to your, to your self-interest in verse 1. So we, we think that we want to have the praise of men, and that's what we want, but in, undoubtedly Christ is saying, no, no, what you actually want is the reward of your heavenly Father. And so in our minds, we'll often create this false dichotomy. We'll have God on this side and us on this side, and we want God to get the glory and we, we kind of understand that, and that, that's good, and that makes sense. But, but what, about, what about us? And we think in order to give God the most glory, we must throw everything aside, throw everything aside, and must live this life of, of drudgery. But no, God is calling you Not to just give up this thing, but He's calling you, drawing you, pulling you to something much, much greater. So, my friends, if you want to be selfish, if you want to do what's best for yourself, seek the approval of your Heavenly Father. That is being selfish. That is the best thing for you. It's just seek the approval of your Heavenly Father. So what does this look like in terms of giving? We're commanded not to sound the trumpets before us, as do the hypocrites. He says, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may be praised by others. And, and at that time in the synagogues, it was common to have these uh, kind of trumpet-shaped collection box, so you knew what coins they were throwing in by the sound they would make, and also how many coins they were throwing in by the sound they would make. But you see that in this giving, their the pharisaical mind that is a present in us is not giving, not to advance the kingdom of God. No, that's not what their giving is. 
is oriented towards, but they're, they're trying to praise out this trumpet to make some noise so that others will look and go, my, my, would you look at that? Look at what Tony gave today. That's, that's astounding. That's, that's their motivation. And so rightly so, Christ calls them, he calls them hypocrites. And oftentimes now we think of hypocrite as someone who says one thing and then does another. Oftentimes, nearly every time I drive, I tell my kids, buckle up. And then, you know, like a mile down the road, I'm reminded, Dad, you, you need to buckle up. Like, that's, that's, hypocr you know, that's hypocrisy, saying one thing, doing another. But in Jesus' term, this, this word for hypocrite, it was just merely someone who was an actor. So you see that even in their giving, that's, they're being actors. They're on a stage. And there's their audience, and it's other people in the synagogue. Their audience is not God. They're not doing it to please their Heavenly Father, but rather they're doing it to put on a show. They're merely actors. Up on the stage, that others might watch them and be impressed by them. And as we're reminded, they have received their reward. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward, which is unfortunate. They've sought the approval of men, and they've given. They have it. But how, how sad. How lacking. How shallow. To have your whole life, even your your giving, that is to expand the kingdom of God, that that they could use to 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 feed the Levites, and to send missionaries. They're using that. How sad to have this life that is shallow and oriented towards just merely seeking that which is temporary. It's going to be fleeting and passing away. But what are they to do? When you give, you're to... Not let your left hand know what your, what your right hand is doing. And it's obviously a little uh, hyperbole here. But our giving should be done in secret. So to the degree that others do not know what you are doing. And this is the, nat this is the natural consequence. So when we are seeking to praise God, it's natural that our giving will be done in secret. Because we want to please our Heavenly Father. And so we're going to, of course, shield that from other people. Because we want to guard ourselves from the praise of men that, like a siren, lures us in to destruction. So that's why the one who seeks the approval of God and God alone will often orient their giving to be done in secret. And these are all good things. I mean, we have... Verses 2 to 4, we have just giving alms. It's, it is a good thing. You see in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 18, of how they're going to be giving to, to, to feed the Levites because they don't have a portion of land like the other 12 tribes. And then also in Deuteronomy 15, it says in verse 7, If among you one of your brothers should become poor, in any of your towns within your land, the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. So these are good things to be, to be giving 
to, in the synagogue to feed the Levites, to be giving to the poor. They're commanded by God. But you see that outwardly, they are performing these deeds, but inwardly, they're dead. So, yes, they're outwardly they're giving to the temple, but inwardly they're receiving the praise of men. Outwardly they're in the streets giving to the poor, but what are the poor? They don't care about them. They're using them as a pawn and they're using them as a tool to receive more glory, to receive more praise from those around us. So you see that God is not only interested in the outward action, but here's the difficult part. He's also interested much more in our motivation behind it as well. So what does this look like for, for our church? And, and quite frankly, um, I just want to encourage you. As, as a body... I have, uh, you guys are more generous than any group I've ever, ever been around in church or secular, any setting. You guys, this local body is more generous than any other group I've been around. And your generosity is done in secret as well. Uh, quite frankly, no one's come up with the idea of having like an offering box right in the middle so everybody can come up and see who's putting in, how much, and who's not coming up. And, and so no one's come up with that, with that idea. And we see that in all of your generosity, my friends, in all of your generosity, you are displaying that where your treasure is, there your heart is as well. And you are displaying that in your generosity and so you are showing that your heart is oriented towards the kingdom of God. Not towards yourself. And quite frankly, this generosity, it doesn't end with this, this offering on Sunday mornings. But you guys are generous in sharing meals and giving of your time as well. There's 8 a.m., there's a troop of people here to set up chairs for you guys to sit on, to set up a stage so you can... You can actually see me. So you guys are abundantly, abundantly generous. And that's a beautiful thing to God who watches His children, you guys and us, humbly love one another as a body who are seeking a reward from our Heavenly Father, not giving to receive praise of men. So before we move on, let's just kind of recap. We, our main idea is again to seek the blessing of our Heavenly Father, seek the blessing of your Heavenly Father rather than the approval of others. And we, we see that this, in terms of giving, what does this look like? Well, it's not done to impress others, but rather to, to please God and to please God alone, to care for His people and His creation. Now we're going to take these same biblical commands that we see in verse 1 of not practicing our righteousness before others to, to be seen by them. And then we're going to be looking at what does this look like then for prayer. And we're going to see that it brings us to pray in secret and also pray with simplicity. So let's look at verses 5 and 6, praying, praying in secret. 
And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and to pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So just as we're not to be actors in our giving, that is, we're not to be putting on a display in our giving, so too we must not be actors in our prayers as well. And again, how, how pitiful it is to have these good and godly things to be tainted by our selfish motives. And you can just see them there in, in your mind's eye. You can just see them there. Standing. With their, with their arms out and their, and their heads up, full of confidence, knowing just the right turn of phrase, exactly how to impress others, what to say, how long to pray. Contrast that to someone who is not standing, but someone who is bowing or kneeling before a sovereign God. Instead of arms wide out, their, their hands are folded in humility, in humble submission. Instead of their head up in full confidence, their head is down as they seek the grace of God. And so you get the impression that those who are standing there with their arms out and their heads up are praying in such a way as though they actually think that God is the one who's going to be graced by their prayers. As though God is going to be impressed and graced by their prayers rather than seeking the grace of God in their own lives. But yet again, that which they seek, they have obtained. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. They are seeking the praise of men, and they have received what they have sought. And to be clear, so public prayer is, is not forbidden. This, that's not what's being forbidden here. But rather, Christ is forbidding the use of public prayer, or anything else, as a means to obtain this praise of men. And so you see public prayer with Ezra, in Ezra 10, and as he's praying, that's when the nation begins weeping, bitterly weeping, as it says, over their sin. You see, in Acts 2, the apostles are devoting themselves to fasting and to, to prayer as well. And then in Acts 13, you have the, the uh, church in Antioch has committed themselves again to fasting and to prayer, and they have commissioning Paul and Barnabas by laying hands on them and sending them out to be missionaries. So Paul... Or, so Jesus is not condemning public prayer. That's not, what's, that's not the issue at hand here. But rather, he is calling us to contrast this public spectacle of someone who's just an actor. He's contrasting that by saying, uh, just come with me alone in secret so that you know you're just praying to God, and you're not praying to be heard by anybody else, but by God and God alone. So again, we see here that God 
hates. God hates our religiosity when it's done as a spectacle before others. We see that with giving. We see that with prayer. But the answer is, the question is, why? 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 What is the heart of the matter here? I think it's because we serve a jealous God. We serve a jealous God. Exodus 20 says, verse 5, You shall not bow down to them, that is, idols, or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Deuteronomy 4 Verse 23 says, Take care lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God has made with you. And make a carved image. Again, a public display of religiosity that is not oriented towards God and God alone. Which God has made with you this covenant. The form of anything that God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous, a jealous God. You see that God will not share His glory. And you, me, in our facade of religiosity that's displayed publicly, we are bringing other people to look to us rather to than God Himself. So it's injurious in, in just two different ways. This is not about us and our pride, but there's, there's two different things. We see the first for the one doing it. He is stealing glory that should be given to God and to God alone. It's being given to him. But it's also injurious for the person watching it as well. His faith is shipwrecked, seeing the shallow display because he himself is not oriented towards God. So you see, you see this. And the reason for not to make a public display is because God deserves all the glory. But they look so good, don't they? They're giving and they're giving so much. And they're praying and they're praying so confidently. And you see them. They have wonderful Bible studies and they tell you about it on Facebook when they post pictures of their coffee and their Bible together, you know. Oh, just another quiet time. Praise be to me, you know. Just be inspired here. You see that. But who does God use? Look through Scripture. Who does God use? Those who have been humbled and humbled greatly. Look at Moses. He's brought to speak before the ruler of the world, Pharaoh. But he's, he's slow of speech to the degree that he brings Aaron, his brother, to come and do the speaking for him. And sure, he can't speak as well, of these, as, well of these, as these Pharisees. He's not, he's not a fantastic speaker like them. He can, he can part the Red Sea. God will use him to do that. God will... Use him to lead his people through the wilderness for 40 years. And sure, he might go up in the mountain and see the glory of God and come down and have his face radiating the glory of God. But no, 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 no. 
can he pray like one of us? Oh no, he's, he's, he's slow of speech. He's humble. That is the one God uses. We see that with Paul as well. He's, he's oppressed. He's beaten. He's considered a failure. He plants churches where there's incestuous relationships going on after he leaves. And sure, he's been seeing the third heaven, but he's, he's been humbled. As he writes, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may be upon me. For the sake of Christ, and then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Therefore, Paul also writes, who is he going to boast in? Is he going to boast in himself and these and these well-oriented prayers, these well-crafted prayers out in public? No, no, no. He who boasts is to boast not in himself, not in his, his own righteousness that we see in verse 1, but he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. We see this with, with Moses, God using him, or with Paul, God using him, with this thorn in the flesh, and that's no surprise. Look at our Messiah. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Continually, throughout his ministry, Jesus Christ is, is haunted with these questions. Aren't you the, the son of that Joseph the carpenter? Isn't that you? Aren't you that, that boy from Nazareth? Huh. How, how old are you, Jesus? Really? Your, your parents haven't been married that long, but you're, you're this old? Continually haunted, haunted with these. So we, we have a king who has come down and humbled himself. But we, you, and me, the servants, he's the king, we're merely the servants, will use every opportunity we have, oftentimes, to exalt ourselves in contrast to our king who comes and humbles himself. So before we move on again, let's recap where we've been. The main idea, but I hope you're... Remembering now is to seek the blessing of your heavenly Father rather than the approval of men. So we're, we're to give in a way that is pleasing to our Father in heaven. And we are to pray in a manner that does not use religion as a tool for self-idolatry. And finally, as we wrap this up here, we're going to be turning and seeing how to pray 
and to pray with simplicity. Let's go back to the text here. We're going to read verses 17 all the way down to or 7 all the way down to 15 here. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And again, we, we see this audacious display of self-religiosity is cloaked with a veneer of religion. We have self-righteousness that is just thinly covered with religion. It's not the heart of, of loving God is not coming forth, but it's, it's our own self-righteousness. So in this case, it's, it's not with just giving or praying in public, but now we, we see those who are who are praying and they're heaping up these empty phrases and you see that they're praying and they're praying to be heard. Praying not to be heard by God, but rather to be heard by other people. We contrast this to the, just a prayer of simplicity. Our Father is in heaven hallowed be your name. So he's starting with the exaltation of God that he is in heaven and he is holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see this desire for him to do what pleases him, not what pleases us. Give us this day of daily bread. And you see that we have this humble admission that all that we have no matter our career, no matter how stable we may think that we are, all that we have is from the hand of God. Verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And you see here the, the progression. The one who is desiring the will of God, he's the one that will see his own sin. As you are seeing the holiness of God, it is only a matter of time, quite quickly, as you see with Isaiah, Isaiah 6. You're going to see your own sin. And as you see your own sin, well, then you're going to be much more willing to forgive other people. So, in your heart, if you have this bitterness and you're unwilling to forgive others, well, chances are it's because you don't see your own sin. And if you're not seeing your own sin, it's because you're not seeing the true holiness of God. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we have here our, our full and sheer dependence upon God, knowing that He and He alone is the one that can keep us from evil. So this life of simple prayer is, is a beautiful thing because it's just our hearts 
laid bare, laid out there before God. We see this in our midst. Again, you guys are... I want to encourage you in this. We see this as you guys gather and pray for Molly, that she would do well. Or on Thursday mornings, there's a group of guys that get together and pray every Thursday morning at 6 a.m. And they pray for an hour, and honestly, it seems as though it's just five minutes. Because it's not these rote prayers. It's just men praying and laying their hearts before God, confessing their sins, asking that God's will would be done. And, And other people in this church, in this church, and throughout our city, it seems like it's five minutes. And oftentimes there's guys who just don't get a time, a chance to pray. Just it goes so quickly. So if your prayer life is dull, just take a psalm. Take some scripture and pray through it. So you, you see that blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. But just take that and just use it as a framework to pray. And just say, God, I ask that you would bless me and how oftentimes I seek to be with those who are doing evil. God, I pray that you would keep me from walking with them. So when you do this, your prayers will never be dull, they'll never be repetitious, but rather they'll be springing forth from Scripture and from the Word of God. So in closing, you see that even in our prayer life, this intimate thing with God, even our prayer life, there's this tendency in our heart not to seek the approval of God, but to seek the approval of men. But our God is a jealous God who will not share His glory with another. So tremble, my friend, tremble and fear the next time you seek to exalt yourself among others but rather seek His blessing humbly and in secret, and your reward will be great, for your reward shall be nothing less than God Himself. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we... As, as Paul had written, we, we are weak. I pray that we would rejoice in that. I pray that you would, you would keep us from these displays of self-righteousness that do nothing for your kingdom but build up the kingdom of men. I pray that we would boast in our weakness, God, that we would be reminded and we be encouraged that Your grace is sufficient for us. God, I pray that over this next week we would drink of that grace, that we would live in that grace, rejoicing in our weakness, that You and You alone might be glorified. Amen.